up you look a little tired i'm a little tired yeah we had a wild weekend together (laughs) i took it out of you huh yeah yes sir where were we we uh are we supposed to talk about this was it a secret i don't know no not not necessarily like what we were doing or who i was with i mean we were at uh our our dear friend kevin mayner's uh lake house for the weekend the generations retreat center yeah (laughs) yeah the retreat (laughs) center that's right yeah, so we spent some time with uh, uh, yourself and Zach Gilcrease and Paul Wilson and myself uh, as two elders and two elder candidates who are completing your process of uh, yeah. going through the eldership pipeline. Mm-hmm. So we'll have more on that in our family meeting two weeks from now for anybody member a member of Generations, if you come to that. RSVP yes. on our app. and uh, Which I did last night. Congratulations. I did too, and apparently my wife did too, so we've got double the food being supplied for us because we're both coming <laughs> twice. Well, I found can't out have enough food. <laughs> there we go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we missed, we missed out last week. We did, partly just because I just... Some, some days there's just too much to do, or you don't feel like doing what you're supposed to do. Yeah, or both. Uh, I need I need to start taking applications uh, from people who would like to be on the pod because uh, like your your uh, frequency may be slowing down a little bit. Your ability to do this weekly, so I don't know if we need to uh, if we if we become a, a biweekly podcast or if we become a, a rotational podcast of. We just need to get our ducks in a row production wise. Oh God, you're trying to put it on me. I'm not. I'm just. I, but you always make a thing of how I'm the production guy and. No, we need to. We need to. Uh, Become professionals and plan our episodes out for like recording a bunch in one day. That's oh. what every, everybody does. That, but if we do that, we lose out on the banter. Because I think there's enough meaningless talk in the both of us for, <laughs> for a few episodes. Uh, the multiplying of words. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I did get a. I did. There's a, a huge perk. I just. Uh, Earned from doing this podcast this week. Oh, really? Yeah. Do I get to be part of this nope. work? Yeah. God, come on! It's your own fault. My fault? What yeah. it, oh, no. Was I seen as the non-serious person? No, you're seen somebody? as the guy who doesn't like the dumplings. Oh, what's the perk? So, you know, we've talked a lot about Goose. a particular dumpling place that I enjoy. I think it's the best in Atlanta. It's my favorite one. You've Well, now... <laughs> Now, now that I had to literally deliver it to your house. Yeah, it was delicious. For you to... Those little red pepper flakes to, on it. You, that little, for you to try. little sweet heat. Yeah. So, our faithful listeners, Jim and Martina I think I McCauley, just sipped my coffee into the mic. Yeah, so don't do that. that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to... You need one of those that. buttons. So, Joe Rogan like has mute. a button. When he coughs, it turns the microphone off. So, you oh, can really? like cough and hack and all nice. this stuff and nice, nobody nice, hears nice. it. Okay. So, the McCauley's, Jim and Martina? Yeah, they... they uh, they heard me or us talking about dumplings and how much I love them on this podcast. Okay. And so they suggested a, a dumpling house that they particularly think is phenomenal. Okay. And they are taking me and Natalie to it this Ooh, weekend. Nice. Yes. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. That should be. That, that, the Canton house. That is a perk. That's a huge perk. Is it in Canton? No, it's in Beaufort Highway somewhere, I think. Mm. Okay. But. It's misleading. 
Yeah, so. Well, I hope you. Again, wine uh, and dine from this venture here on yeah. the podcast. Um, Jim and Martina, um, I still love a good barbecue. <laughs> and uh, um, trying to think what else I. Um, no, you do your own barbecue now. Well, I do. I did a uh, chuck roast this week for the family on Monday, uh-huh. um, which is like a poor man's brisket. Okay. And, uh, and, and Betsy, there's di- different ways you can do it, but I, I, I cooked it in such a way and kind of uh, did the last part of the cook inside of like a beef broth and onions and garlic and stuff so that it, the intention was to shred it rather than to slice it like a brisket. And we did mm-hmm. like uh, barbacoa tacos kind of thing. Yeah. And we, but it was a, you know, it was like a six pound piece of meat. So there's a whole bunch of leftovers. Mm-hmm. Man, I made a delicious sandwich with those leftovers. A grilled, a grilled cheese and pulled beef. Sandwich last night, straight from Arby's. Oh no, <laughs> no! They got the meats, but they don't got the meats like I got the meats. <laughs> it was so delicious. Uh, yeah, like I wish, like these are the kind of things where I'm like, I wish everybody could try this sandwich because it was uh, man spectacular. You so need to, tender. You need to get you an Instagram account where you take pictures of a few of your food and post it. James eats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, yeah, so, uh, actually maybe, maybe, maybe I should get you a... Pastor's pork. Uh. That could be your Instagram I account. should get you a, 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 I should make you a sandwich. Like, you can be around, to, I, I can't do it today. You can be around tomorrow? I you might. the apartment? All right, you'll have, to let, you'll have to let me know and I'll, I'll make you a grilled cheese sandwich. That is quite thoughtful of you. Grilled cheese and beef, pulled beef. Um, is Natalie working? What days is Natalie working right now? Like, is she working tonight, tomorrow? Yeah, she'll be working. Ooh, maybe I could, maybe I could supply your dinner. Wow. And bring over the uh, oven mitts and the uh, casserole dish that I, to my wife's chagrin, keep neglecting to bring to you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, we forgot about that. <laughs> From the, the Super Bowl mac and cheese. All right. We're rambling yeah, on personal sorry. things. Okay. Here. All right. What are we talking about? Well, I know. Well, let me, let me preface it. Okay. Let me preface it because James is running the show today. Oh, Lord. James don't, is running the show today. Don't tell people that. Um... We at the church, well, James kind of cast this as a, as a vision at the beginning of the year, at least to leaders, in terms of what he's thinking and wanting us to, to think through as well and be in harmony with, is really having a focus on obeying Christ, hmm. obeying Christ's commands. So uh, not in a legalistic way, not in a, that kind of usurps our focus on uh, Christ's righteousness and that we're saved by grace through faith alone, but really digging into out of our union with Christ, which me and James talked about a couple weeks on the podcast, taking seriously when Christ himself tells the apostles before he ascends to go and teach them to obey all that he's commanded. Yeah. And not, not looking at that as a burden, but as an opportunity, um, to be Christians. Yeah. And uh, so that's kind of a broad, I think, emphasis, um, which will probably come out in future sermon series this year um, as we preach through oh, yeah. the Bible. Uh, we're sung the songs right now, but we're going to preach in other books that probably tackle this more directly. Um, but that's just like a broad f- emphasis for us in the back of our mind as leaders to to want to wanna use all of our venues of teaching to to hit on. And so... What that looks like on the podcast right now is we really thought of thinking through that, that broad vision on the topic of giving, generosity, what we do with our stuff, what we do with our money. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the, the broad focus to the, to the narrow kind of outworking that we're going to do on this podcast and talk, talking through stuff, money, materialism, uh, giving, generosity. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's funny, like we don't talk about that stuff a lot at Generations. We're not, a, we're not, we're not focused on, um, uh, we don't talk about giving and money every week or even every month or whatever. Yeah, I mean, we talk about generosity and obedience and those sorts of things, but specifically money. Yeah. And giving it's just not a big, is not it's a not a huge big. emphasis uh, for us. We're, we're um, how, you know, I don't know. We tend to be obviously very rooted in whatever text we're preaching through, and so we're not trying to bring everything back to that. Um, when and, it comes up, it comes up. So, like, yeah. in Acts 20, it came up, and I preached sure. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's right. Um um, yeah, so, but I think one of the things that, that, you know, obviously, um, it, 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 it tends to be a topic, actually, you know, we're walking through the Song of Songs right now, so we're talking about pretty intimate personal stuff for mm-hmm. people in terms of, uh, sexuality and, and sexual intimacy and sexual immorality and all these different things, and, and I, I actually, this is, this is just my experience, the two most guarded topics that I've experienced pastorally in people's lives, the two things they want to talk the least about are things related to sexuality and things related to uh, money. Mm-hmm. And you might speak vaguely in general terms about either of those topics. But I actually think even, I, I think it might be, you, I don't, you tell me what you think. I think it might be more taboo to ask people specifics about their financial life than it is to even ask them specifics about their life as it relates to purity and, and those kind of things. Oh, I, I, would, I would say asking somebody where they are at in terms of are they struggling financially or are you, how is it going with you giving to the church? <laughs> yeah. You know, it, yeah. That's, that's more touchy than saying how are you doing in the area of sexual sin? Right. That's much. A, that's a much more fluid conversation, I think. Right. In health, well, in, in healthy churches, um, even, even, even away from giving, like talking, asking people how much money they make, mm-hmm. or what else they do with their money, how much they spend on different things. Yeah. Right. Right. Like people tend to get very vague when it comes to to money, and they don't mm-hmm. want to go there. It tends, it's a very intimate, personal kind of thing, and I and and. I, I don't suppose I'm much different than anybody else in that, but I, but I would say this. I do wonder, like, when you have a church culture like ours, mm-hmm. where we have been very, like, we've attempted to build a church culture that is honest and that is open and that is safe and that is, um, you know, we, we try to bring our sin into the light. We try to, like, we want you to surround yourself with people who love you and who you can confess openly with and have support you and encourage you and challenge you and you know people that you do that with right we want we want healthy relationships like that and i would say that this is probably the most not agreed explicitly but the most by default off limits topic probably in people's lives yes where we just don't ask about it's like a don't ask don't tell policy yeah like if you were to bring this up in a small group setting say how's everyone doing financially yeah, you might get some looks. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, that would be a that might be a quiet room. Yeah, right? so I think in because of that, it it that to me sort of highlights the something of the idolatrous um, power of 
money and wealth and so forth. It's this thing that we want to guard, protect, keep private and personal and off limits for everybody else. So I, I, I think it's in a healthy church and in a healthy relational climate, we're, we're putting everything on the table, right, before the Lord and with those that we're closest to and walking openly with and so forth. And so I'm not saying everybody should be, like, it should be, I'm not saying everybody should come up to Caleb or come up to me and talk about every aspect of our finances specifically at any time. Like what I am saying is there should be people in your life, just like you in every other area who know what's going on Mm -hmm. in your financial world, who know, um, your, your, you know, giving, saving, spending habits, the things that you're wrestling with, the fears that you have, the, the anxiety that you experience, the hopes and dreams that you're maybe planning towards or, or, or saving towards or, or whatever. Like, I, I think it's important that people, some people, not everybody, but some trusted friends are speaking into those areas of life, helping you to man, like navigate that area of life, helping to keep you accountable, encouraging. So all that is to say, this is a difficult topic that mm-hmm. people don't love to bring out into the open and discuss real uh, specifically. So I, I, think, I think also in our own, if we're trying to contextualize here, in our, where we're at, uh, most of the people listening to this podcast are middle, upper-class Americans, mm-hmm. uh, is there's a pressure to look like you're doing well and for people okay. to, 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 to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, so in most parts of the world, what it means to normally be doing well is you have a house, you have food, you have a job, you've got clothes um, in third-world context. Here... Those aren't necessarily, like, that's pretty base level for most of us. Like, 95% of the people that we know have food on the table. They have clothes, Mm -hmm. and they have somewhere to live. Mm -hmm. And so what it means to show that you're doing well is much more flashy, if -hmm. that makes sense. Um, Particularly with how we posture ourselves on social media. Okay. Um, We're wanting to to put pictures of our vacations or wanting to put pictures of, of the, the, the nice kind of fancy meals that we're eating or the uh, kind of showing off new outfits that we have. Yeah. It's like new devices, new toys, technology kind of stuff. Yeah, th- those things are, uh, it's kind of just part of socially engaging is to show your stuff mm-hmm. um, and, to, and to want people to, to think you have you know, nice things or that you're doing well. Um, yeah, there's, well, let, let's get into, I agree with you. I want to kind of root us in a, in a text. Sure. So we're going to go to Matthew 6 and just try to set some groundwork for a couple of episodes as it relates to to stuff and how Jesus sees stuff and how Jesus um, kind of instructs us and leads us in, in our own relating to stuff. Um, so I want to go to Matthew 6, Sermon on the Mount, starting in verse 19. You want to read, I don't know, read, read just the first three verses. Uh, and we'll probably cover as many as six, but, but let's read just the first three. Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Hmm. Okay, so Jesus is juxtaposing between two kinds of treasure, right? And I think one of the places I would want to start is maybe just recognizing that 
Um, I think Jesus, he's, he's not starting here by pointing out necessarily sinfulness, right? He's not, he's not calling us to, uh, to repent of something. And, and, uh, I mean, maybe there's an element of that here, but, but he's acknowledging from the very outset that our life, we are living for something, right? Yeah. We are doing something with our lives. He's not saying that treasure's bad. We're putting equity in something. Yes. And so, yeah, you're going to invest your life in, in, in something. And so he's trying to help us think through, what are you investing your life in? What? So number one is like it, to want to have meaning and purpose and to make your life count. I mean, that's, that's really what a lot of this is, boils down to. It's mm-hmm. like we all want our life to count for something, right? And Jesus is acknowledging that, right? And that's a right and good instinct or impulse. Um, but he's saying, you know, obviously don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy where thieves break into steel. So what do we need to think about when we think about treasures on earth? What, like, what is this categorically? Like what fits into this? How broadly do we need to think? Yeah, that's a good question. Definitely your bank account. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, the first and most obvious application is Mm -hmm. money, wealth, um, you know, 401k, whatever it's, uh, mm-hmm. but, but then there's a whole lot of things that get attached to money or that are derivative of money or yeah. money adjacent. <laughs> yeah. It, so things like the actual stuff you have, yeah. right? The accumulation of things. So that mm-hmm. might go to houses, cars, clothes, um, uh, little, you know, whatever other symbols, right? Mm-hmm. It's like having that, I don't know. Having, stuff having, that has value. Yeah, having the certain logos, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so you, you want the apple with the bite taken out of it, not, yeah. not whatever the Acer yeah. symbol is yeah. or something like that. Memberships. Like, memberships, that, yeah, thing. Uh, so earthly treasure might also be relationships, friendships, right? Mm-hmm. Like you associate with a certain kind of people or a certain, uh, a, a certain you know, maybe it's something like the club mm-hmm. or a um, place that you work or... Yeah. Um, a certain maybe you know, a, educational maybe a hobby you invest like a ton of your energy sure. and time and money in yeah so um so there's there's things tied to relationships that there i think earthly treasure would include things like influence and power that you gain uh from having certain achievements or the certain degree of acquiring of things right mm-hmm. so so we're not talking about just tangible wealth, I don't think, though that's the most obvious and basic mm-hmm. thing here. We're talking about all kinds of things that can come with that, that go in a lot of different directions. Yeah, I think, I think, uh, I think it's whatever you are investing your limited resources and time to. Mm-hmm. So you're giving something up to invest in whatever treasure this is. Yeah, and probably what... Um, the things that you're drawing a sense of identity or personal worth from, mm-hmm. right? Um, so if you're if your your worth may be less tied to finances and more tied to relational or, or the social status, yeah, of a sort, yeah. Um, and so it's like, what are those earthly things that you cherish, that you invest in, that you treasure, that you most uh, cling to, and 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 build your life upon or for? So Jesus is saying that all those things that, that we tend to earthly treasure, 
he says, obviously, in his context, he's talking about where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Mm-hmm. So what's the point? Yeah, they can be lost. Yeah, that can be lost, can be taken away. It's they will be, be lost. <laughs> yeah, eventually. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> you remember the old, uh, well, no, you're too young. God, you're so young. There was an old brand. Do you, do you, do you remember the, 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 the No Fear brand? Mm-mm. No, yeah, so there was, it was super cheesy. And yet, you know, I thought it was super cool at the time. Mm. So there was like a whole, like for, for athletes, it would be like, uh, <laughs> the, uh, people like Adam Barker are loving this right now. He remembers the No Fear stuff, I'm sure. Uh, it would be like, you know, uh, bottom of the ninth, three, two count, bases loaded down by three, no fear. And that was kind of the brand. Like it would, so it would present these scenarios on t-shirts or on their different branding. And then the big thing is like, no fear. Like, Mm. um, and, um, I think, I I think there was something, I don't know why I remember this being associated with that now that I think about it, but there was a shirt that said he who dies with the most toys still dies was like one of the no fear kind of brands or something like that. Okay. Uh, um, anyway, so yes, it will be taken away was my point on that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So he says, don't do this. Um, but instead lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So if we have all this stuff that we've just talked about, what would be on the other side of that? Like, what are the, what are, how do we lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven? What is the, how do we build equity there? Like, what are the things we're talking about? Uh, I think advancement in the kingdom of heaven. Okay. Um, but for example, then, like, what, I don't know, what, what ideas come to your mind in terms of, I don't know, ways that we can do that? Like, what are in your everyday life? Like, what would be, what would be categories that you would think about? Uh, investing your finances in the work of the local church and missions. Yes, that's very specific. Mm-hmm. And everybody should give all their money to the local church. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, so I think, yeah, so when we think about laying up treasure in heaven, we're talking about um, we're talking about enjoying things, like investing yourself in your enjoyment of God and things that glorify, explicitly bring glory to God, um, things that um, advance the mission of God in the world, uh, things that draw other people into life with God. Right? Like that's to be our our focus. And why he says, like, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. Okay. So he's going, there's a way to live your life now that secures treasure for eternity, and nobody can take that away from you, right? This is a an investment that is permanent. And it's a sort of I don't know, for Jesus, it's sort of like an insider trading kind of thing, right? Like mm-hmm. he's giving us a guarantee of an investment that will work now for you for eternity that has an unbelievable return on investment. Like this cannot, so you're getting this like great tip from him. Yeah. Um, and I, I think what's interesting about the phrasing of it too is like there's certainly not this categorization of it being sinful um, necessarily, but essentially what he's doing is he's telling us like it's stupid, <laughs> to live for this other stuff and here's why it's a waste like right it's not if you build your life on these things it's going to go away it's going to be taken away you're going to lose out it's not going to earn you anything you know you'll be left empty yeah on the other hand you do this over here and you're talking about eternal reward like eternal value um 
and, and all that. And then he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Yeah. So talk to me about a little bit, how do you perceive, like, I don't know, expound on that idea of like where mm. your treasure is, there your heart to will be. To me, I think this is the most immediate motivation of this passage. So the idea of laying up for yourself treasure in heaven seems like a return that will not be coming for a long time. <laughs> uh, or that's like, that's far off into the future. Yes. Right? The return of whatever these treasures are. Yeah. And which is, let's just be honest, it's harder to think about, harder to, harder to see, uh, well, I'm not getting a return right now. Yeah. Apparently. So it, it, that really goes against our instant gratification mm-hmm. or even, I don't know, like you can even be patient and still feel like that's a really yeah. long way off. Yeah. And it can feel a little ethereal. Yeah. In contrast, when Jesus says this, for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. That's talking about right now. Mm -hmm. So there's two ways you could look at this to me. You could look at it, and I think both are valid. I think both actually work together. One is, wherever your treasure is, exposes the desires of your heart. So that idea of the heart means desire. You can can equivocate that. Uh, wherever you, your treasures are, that's where your desires are. So the, wherever your treasures are, that exposes the desires of your heart. Yeah. Flip that. Flip that. You, what you mean by that is you're saying that if you want to see what somebody desires, you can look at, for example, where they spend their time, yes. where they spend their money, yes. where they spend their energy yes. Yes. and emotion and so yes. forth. Okay. Yes. And I think that's the most obvious reading yeah. of the text, right? Yeah. So those are symptomatic of... Yes. Like what you love. It, it's, it, it exposes the reality. Yes. Right? I think that's the most obvious reading of the text. Flip it, though, and I think this is also very valid. Wherever you put your treasure, mm-hmm. wherever you work for these things, for this return, it will change the desires of your heart. Yes. If you, if you commit yourselves to laying up treasures in heaven mm-hmm. and go, doing the work of, uh, for... for for the kingdom of heaven, mm-hmm. uh, sacrificing for uh, the the work of the local church, the work of missions, the the poor and needy in your own church body and and community, simply by reorienting yourself that way, I believe it will change your desires. Yes, it will change your desires for those things. Yes, it will change your heart to to love and treasure what God is doing because you've bought into it. Yeah, so. So part of what you're saying is, so it both, if you follow the treasure, like like what we most give ourselves to in these different ways, like time, talent, energy, emotion, treasure, like uh, wealth, all that stuff, where we spend ourselves is indicating what we already care about, but it is also going to determine what we will care about. It's making that desire stronger for right. wherever you're laying that treasure. Right. So this is, I mean, and, and the funny thing is, we actually talked about this very thing the last couple of Sundays going through the book of Song of Songs, right? We talked about this idea in Galatians 5 of how if you gratify the desires of the flesh, those desires will grow. Mm-hmm. If you gratify the desires of the spirit, those desires will grow. It's the yeah. same principle. It's just being tied to, to earthly treasure, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so... Um, so everybody, every single one of us can do a sort of uh, audit almost instantaneously, and, and we should do this. I think, I think part of what Jesus is, is inviting us to here in the Sermon on the Mount is like this continual audit of our own inner lives, our own affections, based on A, where is your treasure going? Because that's telling us something about what we most care about. Yeah. And then B, how do we need to reorient that so that we actually 
uh, try to steer our hearts in yeah. the proper direction. So it's not simply, oh, I, I examine my heart and I see my desire and my heart is for the things of the world. Therefore, I guess I'm just worldly. It's actually a reorientation of, man, if, if, if I see that in myself and yet I can reorient myself towards the things of God by the help of His Spirit, yeah. my desires will start changing. Right. You know, it's not stoic, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think this is one of the, you know, in a, in a later passage where uh, um, Paul talks about giving, and we'll probably get into this in the next couple of weeks, but where he talks about how, um, how God loves a cheerful giver, mm-hmm. right? And so we, we talk regularly uh, when we do our Sunday conversations with newcomers, and we, we'll introduce them in the second week of that to how we see and approach giving at Generations. And um, one of the things I point out is the New Testament standard of giving, which includes that it's to be joyful, Right. Yeah. And so a lot of people who will be, let's say, not you opened uh, talking about our desire to, to really take seriously the, the call to obey Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right. And some of us will be like, well, um, if I don't really, if my heart's not cheerful in the giving, then I just shouldn't give. Yeah. Until my heart's cheerful mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. If I can't give cheerfully, then I should just keep. And it's like, yeah, no, that's, that's not, <laughs> that's not what we're, that's not what the Bible's teaching. The Bible's teaching that, no, God, God wants us to be cheer- cheerful and joyful in the giving. And if you're not, if you're begrudging or resentful in whatever giving practices you enter into, then there's a problem with your heart and you need to repent of that. Yeah. And you need to, to, to work on reorienting your heart as it relates to giving, not stop giving mm-hmm. because it's not the right motive. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, Okay, so now in between a passage that's explicitly talking about treasure and how we spend our lives and, and, and what we're, uh, uh, you know, giving ourselves to, and then a couple verses later where it says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then he says, you cannot serve both God and money. So he's talking about money in verse 19 to 21. He's talking about money in verse 24. And then in verses 22 and 23, there's this interesting paragraph that doesn't on its face seem to have anything to do with money. So I want to see if we can wrestle with this a little bit. He says this, this is right after there your treasure, uh, where your treasure is, there your heart is. Then he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole, bo- whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? So is he, is he changing topic? Is it topics and then coming back to money? Or does this have something to do with money? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. That's wow. The, that's an honest That's admission. the mature answer of a right. theologian. I have no idea what he's talking about. I think I think obviously it can be broader a broader application, but it definitely can apply to what he's it, talking about yeah, in the moment. It seems to be in the same thought that's continuing because he's it's not just this, right? He's going to even after that statement on serving God and money, he's going to go into talking about don't be anxious and he's going to teach us about um, how we relate to clothes, like our worry over clothes and food and and uh, earthly security. And he's going to call us out of anxiety as it relates to those yeah. things, right? So the topic, like that little anecdote is, it's it's sandwiched right in between a very long thing. So so I think we do have to assume that he is mm-hmm. talking about this subject. So, okay, let's let's go wrestle with it though. Like the eye is the lamp of the body. So if, if you're looking at the, at the previous verses we just read, and we're seeing the heart as desires, mm-hmm. I think you could say 
that the eye is the entrance of desires. Okay. So the eye uh, gives you opportunities uh, to desire mm-hmm. all sorts of things. Okay. And so it can enter in all sorts of things to desire that we shouldn't or things to desire that we could that therefore does, uh, defile the body. So this is probably important to say just as a side note is the Bible is not interested in, in the idea of what's called dualism in terms of like the, the soul is some sort of greater idea and the body is less important. Uh, the Bible sees the body and soul as intimately connected, though distinct, but intimately connected. So whenever the Bible is talking about uh, spiritual sin or desire or, or things going on in our soul, it, you, you can guarantee that the Bible says that has effects on our body. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's important because a lot of us think, well, what? he'd just been talking about kind of spiritual matters, and now he's talking about how it ruins your body. Well, I, Jesus does not see a, a, a huge chasm between the body and the soul. Those mm-hmm. two things are intimately connected. Yeah. Um, and so the, so the desires that come through the eye can either destroy the body and the soul, mm-hmm. or they can bring health and light um, and good to the body mm-hmm. and the soul. If yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and, and and in this context, when he says the eye is the lamp of the body, and and he says if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your if the eye is uh, bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Right. I think what he's saying, in in light of what he's just told us, is look, your perspective on these things really matters. So when he talks about your whole body being full of light, what he's talking about, it seems, is the way you live outwardly, right? Mm-hmm. He's not talking about your innards, <laughs> right? The, the internal, like he's talking about if the eye is, um, it, it's sort of like, look, if you're, if you're blind, okay, if your eye's unhealthy or bad, as it says, your whole body will be full of darkness. He's going to, like, you're not going to know how to navigate the world, yeah. right? In the physical metaphor that he's talking about. Yeah. But if your eye's healthy and you can see the world around you uh, in its proper light, then you can, I mean, I don't know, I, I, can, I can imagine if we just take something silly like uh, if, you, if you were blindfolded and told you had to, you know, walk through your house, um, like, you know, you might be tripping over furniture, tables, whatever, right? And, and you don't know how to make your way around things. Uh, but if you have that blindfold off and you can see clearly, you can navigate all of that. And Jesus seems to be going like, look, your perspective on this thing of treasure, it really matters because it's determining how you're going to live in the world. Mm-hmm. And, and it's going to determine, like, and then when he says this warning, he says, if then the light in you is darkness. Like, what he's warning against, it seems to me, is, and this is what I think is really uh, something we as Christians in our environment have to be aware of. Look, if you think you understand uh, possessions, your relationship to possessions, uh, the way that all this works and, and everything, if you think you have a really firm handle on that and you don't, like you think you walk in the light, but you're actually walking in darkness, there's a, it's a particular kind of darkness, right? There's a kind of blindness where it's like, I know I'm blind, right? And if I know I'm blind, then I'm not going to try to do certain things. I'm going to ask for help with certain things. I'm going to ask for other people to surround me and to help me navigate certain environments mm-hmm. and certain things because I'm blind. Like, I'm going to account for my blindness um, by a number of different factors. 
But if I'm blind and I think I see, I'm going to live in a sort of unhealthy, independent kind of way. And I'm just going to do what I, and I'm going to bring a lot of damage to myself and potentially a lot of damage to others. So an image I'm thinking of is like, you know, when you wake up in the middle of the night and you need to go out of your room and do something in the kitchen Mm -hmm. or something, and you you don't take the time to turn the light on Mm -hmm. and you think you can just make it. To yeah, the yeah, kitchen yeah. without stepping yeah. on something or tripping or hurting. It's like, right. it's that idea of you think you can do this in the dark. Yeah. But you can't. Right. And, and, and so there's a, there's a sort of insidious kind of special darkness that masquerades as light. And, I, and so I think part of what he's, you know, in this context of treasure, he's going, I don't know, like this idea that, Again, the eye, the lamp of the body, if your eye's healthy, he's going, look, if you think you see your own heart, if you think you see all these things, your relationship to money and treasures, the, the ways that you're using every part, if you think you've got a firm handle on all that and you don't, like you're living in deception and, you're, and, and you're, you, there's a sort of recklessness to that, there's a sort of danger to that. Um, and, and, and so it seems to me that in that perspective that he's trying to reorient us around, he's going, um, this idea that, you know, in those first few verses we read, um, it's really important that we have a, a, other people in our lives helping us to see our own selves clearly and how we're relating to the world around us. Hey, like, it would be an interesting question for any one of us this week to sit down with somebody, maybe a spouse, but maybe outside of that. A, a close friend to go, hey, if you observe, as you observe my life, where do you see my treasure? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you see that I treasure most? What are the things you see me cherishing most deeply, giving yeah. myself to most yeah. uh, intently? Yeah, so this, this is a, quite a theme in Scripture of exposing darkness to the light. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, I wonder... Like this is, but don't you think that one of the problems though is people don't think a lot about their treasures in our context as having a potential for darkness? I just don't think like a we lot, see it as morally neutral. I just don't think a, a lot of people think about about their stuff with danger in mind. And yeah. where they're putting their stuff with danger sure. in mind. Um, yeah, they think of it as more, it may not be uh, honoring to God, but it's harmless, would be maybe the way we think about it. Or it may not be overtly kingdom-oriented. Like there's nothing spiritual, there's not a spiritual decision to be made on right. if I should, you know, buy a bigger house or, you know, upgrade all of my memberships or... You know, just these, what we would see as just, these are just. Just practical decisions. Yeah, like, can we afford decisions. it? Can we not? Can we? Yeah. There's not a lot of spiritual thought into it. Is this good for my soul? Right. Because technically it's not something that's overt sin that someone's going to, like, a pastor isn't going to come to somebody for buying a lake house and saying, that's not immediately going to be on the radar. Oh, I need to go talk to that guy in the same way if he's, you know neglecting coming home to his family, you know. It's just not overtly seen, I think, culturally as something to really raise the flag about. Right, and this is why I think that metaphor that he's talking about in 22 and 23 is so important. 
because we live in this hyper materialistic environment of the not just you know the generally the western developed world but the american economy the the sort of uh entitlement to a certain way of life the sort of you know if you want to call it the american dream or whatever all these ideas of of the ways like a life of ease a life of comfort a life of convenience yeah. Um, all these things, like we live in the most affluent, comfortable society that's ever existed in human history. And, uh, and I, I, I wonder if sometimes we see that and we don't see it as uh, entrapping. Yes. We see ourselves as, we're probably not affected by that. Like we, we might see ourselves in relation to somebody else we know who's, we see, oh, that guy's hyper-materialistic. Mm-hmm. I'm not like that. Yeah. And, and what we don't, here, here, here's another test. Uh, when our brothers and sisters come and visit us from other parts of the world mm-hmm. and they see the way we live and they see the stuff we have and they see the environment and, and you know, everything. And it seems obvious to them. And if you ask any of our, for instance, uh, mission partners or church partners, like in other parts of the world that are not as affluent, mm-hmm. they will all tell you like the most obvious um, challenge that, that they see us facing is... Um, the comfortability of our lives and our non-need for God, or what, what could be a, a perceived or a, a sort of, uh, uh, we don't live with a dependence upon God because we have so much of what we want yeah. and need. And we don't take a lot of risks with mm-hmm. what we have. It's true. Um, unless it's to get more of what we have. Yeah. And maybe we'll <laughs> talk about that when we get to the talents, but yeah. So we have like, all that is to say, I think Jesus is, on the one hand, he's saying, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And and I think maybe in anticipating his hearers going, oh, well, I do that. Look at the good things I do. And then he's going, hold on, the eye is lamp of the body. And if you think you see things clearly and you don't, there's a kind of darkness here that you you don't want to be a part of. And I think what he's trying to do is almost doubling down and go, slow down. Don't, Don't respond to that initial idea uh, quickly or cavalierly or unthinkingly, your perspective, how you see this stuff, it really matters. It is determining the course of your life, the significance of your life, the meaning of your life, the, what you're investing your life in, and whether or not you're going to have a reward in heaven at the end of this, right? I mean, like, he's really trying to, I think, cause us to rethink yeah. this. And whether you actually desire the God you say you worship. Mm. Yeah. In, the, in, the, in the right now. Yeah. So he kind of ends this, this whole, this little section with a very famous passage in the scriptures. Sure. Um, that's pretty, it's pretty black and white. Like it, this is no parable that he's talking right. about here. Um, he says, verse 24 no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Yeah. I mean, like you said, that's black and white. He's going, you're either going to live for money and the things that money can buy you and secure for you and, and so forth, or even the ways that money can make you feel better about things. Um, or you can live for God. And not freely. This, this, is, is, this, is, this is, you can either be a slave 
a yeah. bondservant to right. God or a bondservant. Yeah, so that's ultimately what this passage is about is not money, it's about lordship. Abs- absolutely. Right? It's about who's in control, who's in authority, who's the sovereign one, who are you submitted to? And he's saying, like, we love the idea of independence in an American way of life, right? He's yeah. going, yeah, you're, nobody's independent. You're going to serve something. And, 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 and if you want to say, I mean, he says God or money. You're going to serve either God and live for what he deems valuable, or you're going to serve uh, earthly purposes and what human culture says is valuable. Yes. And not with, like, a, this isn't, a, like, a, a with a gentleman's attitude. So this isn't. Uh, you sit down and you have two different job offers and you really like both companies and you say, well, I'm going to go work for this one and that one's a great company over there, but I'm just choosing money over God. This is, you are choosing two armies who hate each other at the core. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, you're exactly right. This is, you're, you're siding with one against the other. Which means you're at war with the other. Right. So you will hate the one, as he says, and love the other. You'll love the one and hate the other. So he's going... To live for earthly things is to despise God. Yes. That's and how many of us have felt that in terms of if there's an area in our life that we really, really are a slave to and an idol to in terms of possessions or, or, uh, or career or hobby or something, and you're sitting in a sermon or a Bible study or you're reading your Bible yourself or you're with a brother or sister who's speaking into your life, and they poke on that area. Mm-hmm. And you start to feel the the hatred. That's, mm. I know that sounds like a strong word, but it's not. The the I, you start justifying all of your mind. You start kind of talking down whoever it is that's saying to you in your head. Like you just begin to feel that kind of crud all start coming <laughs> yeah. up, and you realize, man, I hate when somebody comes against this master in me. Mm-hmm. It, it, I mean, there's the inner Smeagol in all of us, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where we've got our ring that we treasure and it, it's gone missing. Yeah. And, we're, and, and our souls are rankled by it and yeah. contorted and we're like, mine! Yeah, right? yeah, and we yeah. that, that, that's yeah. that image that comes to my mind is, is Smeagol just freaking out, mm-hmm. right? Gollum, I should say, not yeah. Smeagol. Gollum is, uh, you know, he, he's everything just contorts. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And, and it's a really vivid picture of what happens in our souls when, when you encroach on this area of idolatry. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so um, uh, we just wanted to start here yeah. and lay out a sort of idea of going, hey, look, there is a real battle that is not neutral, that is not trivial, um, that's raging inside of every single one of us at the level of the heart Mm -hmm. about what it is our lives are aimed at, what it is our lives are pouring into, investing in, hoping to earn for ourselves or accrue for ourselves. And we are either going to live for earthly comforts, conveniences, treasures, or we're going to live for for, uh, heavenly purposes, the glory of God, our enjoyment of God, other people coming into life with God. Um, And... The two of those things um, cannot coexist alongside one another. Rather, they are diametrically opposed to one another in yeah. a conflict. Yeah. Yeah, I would say this is the front line, for most of us, the front line battle of showing the evidence of lordship yeah. in the world 
that the church is supposed to proclaim. Yeah, and we, and I'll, I'm throwing me and throwing you in there with it. Mm-hmm. We, as an American church, yeah, need to recognize that we probably don't see this nearly as clearly as we think, which means we're walking in a measure of darkness here. And it would be like, so maybe the takeaway today is just, man, what if we just begin to ask the Lord to, to show us clearly where our hearts really are on this? Yeah. To start to reveal to us what we really value, to help us to see ourselves, our lives, our affections, our pursuits, uh, the way that it, it, uh, as they really are. And then to also see um, it, how these things are enslaving us, how these things are preying on us. Yeah. Um, so generosity, which is something we want to talk about, is, is a much later conversation, mm-hmm. right? Um, generosity is something, it is one of the weapons we have to contend with this thing in our hearts. But first, we've got to get honest with ourselves. Yeah, we have to put everything on the table. And that's really the issue is, does Jesus have access and lordship and authority over everything, including these earthly things? Yes. Yes. So we're going to come back and talk about the pair of the talents next time to try to expand out not just uh, not just how to kind of push the enemy back in our own lives but how to d- advance the kingdom itself forward right yeah good good call all right enjoy goose with the macaulay's not goose the canton house the canton house yes enjoy the canton house with the macaulay's i'll be waiting for my invitation from jim and martina maybe i'll have some, some other place to bring you <laughs> yeah, just drop by my house right? uh-huh. all right see you guys have a good week